take your Bible, if you would, and turn with me to Luke chapter 2, verse, we're started, we'll kick off and uh, read from verse 8. As you're turning there, let me give you a little family moment. I want to let you know of a transition in some, some leadership here. Uh, if you've been around uh, this campus for a while, I'm sure you've gotten to know Pastor Jake Seaton does a great job helping us with online and some of our tech stuff across all of our campuses. But uh, as Lindsay Johnson, who was leading worship over at Stevensville, as she transitions with a new child, she's done such a great job uh, for us. As she transitions, we uh, then out of that role, uh, Jake's going to go help us and lead worship over there. Uh, so you might not see him as much here. So just wanted to let you know of that transition. And so for the foreseeable future, he'll be leading out at the, our Stevensville campus. So I just wanted to let you know about that little update with some of our, our leadership. Uh, you might have gotten an e-newsletter called e-connect. If you don't, uh, and that was in there, but if you don't get that, uh, we'd love to connect you and let you know some things going on. That's one of the ways. And so you can uh, let folks know at our info hub. And there's one here in this room uh, or call through the week at the, or stop by the church office and we can get you signed up to help keep you informed with some things going on at the, in the life of the church. Uh, and one other thing that we've not really mentioned is the gathering. The gathering is something we do over at our Stevensville campus once a month. Uh, so tonight at 5 p.m., uh, and it's a service uh, geared to our friends with disabilities uh, and their families. Uh, it's open to anybody, but just a really special service. Help us get the word out in the community. Uh, it's kind of a unique opportunity uh, in our community, so please get the word out. Everybody's welcome at that service again, 5 o'clock. Call the gathering over to our Stevensville campus. So let's read that Christmas text. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds, out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Now this, of course, is that classic Christmas text, that cr classic Christmas story. It's the story of the angels visiting the shepherds and delivering this message from God the Father, the Father of lights, as we said, and the gifts that he is giving humanity, giving us the gift that we want to talk about today, the gift of peace. The angels describing that gift of peace that comes to us from God the Father in the form of Jesus, the Savior Jesus. Go, go back and listen to what, again, the angel said in verse 14. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Let's focus today as we talk about this gift of peace from God our Father and Father Christmas in the series that we're in. Now, for those of you who 
maybe grew up reading the King James or maybe you memorized scripture out of the King James or just familiar with the, the way the King James reads in verse 14. Probably your mind went as I was reading to that uh, translation. Uh, there, the King James translation, which reads this way, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Maybe as I read that, your, your mind is drawn to the poetic words of Henry Wadsworth Longfellow where he wrote a classic famous poem, Christmas Bells, that then was used to inspire the great Christmas carol, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. Remember that, that song, that carol? I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Longfellow wrote that poem at the height of the Civil War in 1863. The Civil War took more American lives than any other conflict, any other war, pitting, pitting our nation against one another. And Longfellow, who had been tragically widowed, he was raising six children alone. His wife had tragically been killed in a, in a freak fire. Uh, the oldest of his children, a son, had been, uh, was now in the, the, the army and had uh, been wounded, uh, gravely wounded, maybe even paralyzed was the word that he had gotten at a battle. And so it was on Christmas Day, 1863, with all of that going on in his life, with grief and struggle and peace having been shattered in his life, that in the midst of that, on Christmas Day, he held on to hope. Hope that, that he could find peace, peace, the, this message of peace from, from God the Father sending Christ into the world, this message of peace on earth, goodwill toward men. And so, into Longfellow's life, he held on to hope. And we find ourselves today, as we gather, that some of us are struggling in a similar way to find hope in the midst of our lives, in the midst of our own turmoil, in the midst of our elusive, shattered, broken dreams of having peace in our world, in our lives. Today, we want to understand what was God talking about? What were the angels referring to? What did it really mean when uh, with this message that they deliver about peace, when peace seems so elusive, what were they talking about? And then how can we find in our world that we live in, how can we find that peace ourselves personally? So let's first seek to understand God's gift of, of peace. Now, uh, the New Testament we know was originally written in Greek. And the translators translated that King James Version that I referred to that uh, Longfellow based his poem on, and ultimately the song they based the song on, that King James uh, translation of the original Greek language. And they translated it in the year 1611. Now that's a long time ago. The interesting thing is the, the text, those ancient manuscripts that they used in 1611 to translate the Bible in uh, in, into English are not the actual oldest or best manuscripts. Archaeologists and scholars in the intervening hundreds of years, they actually have discovered older and more accurate uh, manuscripts to translate. And so there was a, there's something in that King James translation that, uh, 
that, that they, they use. There's just one little, it's almost, it almost looks like a comma at the end of one word that really makes a huge difference in the translation. Looks like, almost like a little comma. The King James, let me remind you of what it says again, the translation. Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. And so in other words, what, 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 what the implication of that is, is that the angels are saying they're pronouncing peace to all mankind, all men, all humanity, humanity at large. And obviously, yeah, absolutely, there's some worldwide implications. Jesus came and he came and we could have peace with God. But, but, but what the angels are saying was not directed to all of, you know, all of the world. What the angels were talking about is they were talking, the NIV gets it, more accurate in their translation, it says this, peace available on whom his favor rests. So it's directed. The message translation says it this way, peace to all men and women on earth who please him. So the angels were, were, were proclaiming a peace, not just this generic peace. They're saying that as we, have make, as we make Uh, is we put our faith in Christ that we can have peace with God, that there is a peace available to us through the person of Jesus Christ as we put our faith in him. So we need to understand what peace is and what peace isn't. We need to understand what what were the angels actually referring to when when they're talking to the shepherds and telling them about this peace. Now I want you to remember the line, another line from that, that classic poem that Longfellow wrote, remember the line, and in despair, again, this was written when peace had been shattered at the height of the Civil War, his son, his wife having died, his, his son, he doesn't know if he's going to, to make it or not, and he, on Christmas Day, pins these words, and in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And we look at our world and we echo those words. That sentiment is strong in us as well. As we look around and we see this lack of peace, it's really easy, like Longfellow, to be struggle, to struggle as our peace has been shattered. And, the, and again, we need to understand what is the peace that Scripture's talking about? What's the peace that the angels came heralding into the world through Jesus? And it's not this peace for all of the world, this, this generic peace that there's going to be peace. Uh, there's going to be some utopian state that on, at some point before the Lord comes back, before Christ's return, that there's going to be some utopian state where, where there's universal peace. That's not what Jesus said. He didn't promise to bring peace generically to our world. Matthew 10, 34, these are the words of Jesus. He said, do not think that I've come to bring peace to earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. So again, he's talking about that, that generic sense because he, he said that until I come again, there will be wars and there will be rumors of war and there will be turmoil and there will, there will be struggle. He says in Matthew Chapter 24, verses 6 through 8, Jesus again talking. He said, you will hear of wars and rumors of war, wars. See that you're not alarmed, for this must take place. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains. And so we look at our world like Longfellow. And we see our world. 
and we realize that what Jesus said is true. And it's into this world that where peace in that general sense has been shattered that Jesus comes to bring peace. We, into this world that we live, we consider the words of Jesus and we understand and seek to understand what peace is and what it's not, what, 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 what again, the angels have come to herald in. And until, the, the, uh, until Christ's return, we're not going to have this generic peace. So, no, Putin is not going to march his troops out of Ukraine and declare on Christmas Day, peace. It's not going to happen. There's not going to be a happy ending to the story of the tragedy that's going on in the Middle East, in Israel, in the Gaza Strip. There's going to continue in this world until Jesus comes back. Marriages that will end in divorce. There will continue to be prisons filled with people who choose to destroy peace instead of embracing it. And politicians in our world, until the Lord comes back, will continue to believe that if someone isn't from their, polit- their particular political stripe, that that's the enemy. And that's into that, this world. And Jesus told us it's going to be this way. But into that world, into this world, into the middle of the struggle, he said, yet you can have peace. You can have my peace. Romans 5, 1 describes the peace that the angels are talking about. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So again, Jesus didn't promise to usher in peace into this world in, the, again, this generic sense. But he said as his followers, as we put our trust in Jesus, that we could have peace. That we could have our peace with God. That we could make peace with God. Jesus promised that before he, he left. He said we could have it. Peace that is described in the New Testament is a peace that passes all understanding. So in the midst of the turmoil and in the midst of when our world and the struggle that we find in it, that in the midst of that, when it's spinning out of control, we can find peace. Peace with God. Peace, not just in our personal lives, which that's so critical and so important and we need it. But also this peace within the larger family of God. Not, I'm not talking about the world in general. I'm talking about the church. I'm talking about the family of God. I'm talking about the people of God. Because as the people of God, uh, we are described as God's children. We are the, we're the brothers, and, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. That We are part of this family. And there should be unity in the family. There should be peace in the family. Romans 14, 19 says it this way. So let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Jesus told us that the world would know that you're mine by the way that you interact, the way that you love one another, by what's going on within the body, within the family. He said it this way in John 13, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So the world is watching. And the world is going to know Jesus as it sees and know what it means to be loved as we show it, show our world as we love one another. So let's understand what it takes. If we understand what the peace that Scripture is talking about, how can we fully embrace that peace? What, what, what does that look like as our great Father of lights, God the Father, Father Christmas, as he gives us these great gifts, this gift of peace, how can we fully embrace 
this gift that God gives us. So it's more than just understanding what peace is. It's more than just being able to define it. I just ask you the question today, are you experiencing God's peace? Are you, pursu- are you pursuing it? We find peace in that finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. We find peace with God through the person of Jesus Christ as we put our faith in Christ. And as we think about that gift that is offered to us, we accept that gift by faith. John 16 says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So we can have peace. God's peace, the peace with Jesus' peace, we can have it by faith. And so it's not just enough to know the story of Jesus, to know about Jesus. Do you know Jesus? Have you put your faith in Jesus? It's not enough to know the Christ scriptures, the stories of Christmas. I can, I can know the story. I can, I can be able to repeat the story. I can sing the Christmas songs. I can enjoy all the cozy Christmas events. I can feel all the Christmas feels and yet still miss the gift because I haven't responded to the gift by faith. I haven't put my faith in Christ. Today, as we conclude, I just want to get you ready. I just want you to think about it, to ask yourself the question, have you ever put your faith in Christ? Have you ever submitted to Christ and named him Lord and Savior? And if you've never done that done that, and you'd like to, at the end, I'm going to give you a chance to do that. I just would invite you to let the... Spirit of God, just speak to you today and help you understand that that need in your life. I'll give you a chance. One scholar I read this week said this, it's incorrect to restrict the meaning of peace that we find in Scripture to just between God and humans. There's more to it, in other words, is what he's saying. And so, yes, we need to, to make our peace with God, but also we need to show the world the peace that we can find and we can have within the church, within the body of Christ, with each other. To embrace in a world devoid of peace that we have been called as God's children to be peacemakers. To understand, to understand that this peace that, that is being offered is more than just something personal for us, but it's something that we can model and we can experience together in the body, in the family of God. First Peter three eleven. let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. And as followers of Christ, we should pursue it. The church should be a place that we pursue peace. Think about the, what was going on in the New Testament in those first centuries. Think about the peace that, that those first believers were experiencing in Christ. And then as they experienced that peace, we see the, the church. And think about the church and all the dynamics that were, that were going on. Paul teaches into that first century. He, he talks and he, and he talks about how there is now no division between Jew and Greek. One of the greatest human divisions in ancient society in that, those first centuries was the division, the discord between Jew and Gentile. We see it today. And into that discord, Jesus brings the miraculous gift of peace, of God's peace, of God's unity. And we saw then, as, as God got a hold of people on, on Jew and Gentile, that as they put their faith in Christ, that then there was, there was unity and there was peace there. On the day of Pentecost, it talks about how all these races from all these different countries had gathered in Jerusalem. And, and Peter stands and he preaches this message and people responded and, and gave their lives to Christ. 
And it talks about the unity in that moment that they're in one accord, that they're, there's unity, there's peace, all of the potential divisions, but yet as Christ is Lord, they became one. They became one. One in Christ. Rich and poor came together in the body of Christ. Into an era where, where women were belittled and had limited rights and, and were looked down on in that culture. Into that, Christ brought peace. And pulled them up and said, we are one. Listen to Paul's radical words in the first century. When he wrote to the church, at, in, to the Galatians in chapter 3 verse 28. His letter, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There's no male and female, for we are all one in Christ. There is peace together. It was radical. And it's that peace that can be ours, that we can model here for our world. Now, the first century had uh, historians... Uh, have they have said from the time just before the birth of Christ until about the second century, there is this period that they have labeled the Pax Romana, which is Latin for the peace of Rome. And during that era, peace, there was relative tranquility in the conquered known world that the Romans, the Roman Empire had conquered at that time. And there's relative peace, but it was not peace like Scripture talks about, but it was peace that had been, was being enforced. It was peace or death. It was peace that, that was enforced through control and power. It was a political military concept achieved through dominance and control exerted by those first century Roman authorities. But the peace that the New Testament, New Testament talks about is rooted in the relationship that we have with God through the person of Jesus Christ, and we are all one. And so there's not these divisions. We can find peace through the grace and the mercy, the love that we've experienced, and we give that to others. And that's the beautiful picture of the church, of what it should be. Which brings us to the final point, that we have been called to live as agents of peace. Our world's watching us. And they should see in us the body of Christ working together. They should see us as, as a family. And they, they shouldn't look at us and see divisions over things that are the non-essentials of life and faith. Uh, let me give you a great example is COVID. Oh my word, COVID. And how, how many churches were divided over Kind of just the crazy dumb stuff that came along with that. Our world was watching. And we heard news stories and stories of places where it divided the family. Divided churches. We've all watched, unfortunately, at times when the big C church, the church in our world, has gotten its eyes off the mission that it's been called to. Got its eyes off the unity that we have been called to have, the peace that we are to strive for. We've divided over things that shouldn't divide us. We've divided over, at times, worship styles and COVID protocols and levels of political involvement and modes of baptism and justice issues. And, and we've, we've, we've allowed ourselves to be divided over them. And one of the reasons I love the Church of God 
as a whole, and I love our church in particular, is this focus on unity. To say, you know, it does matter that there is unity. It does matter to strive after peace. And I love the peace and the unity that we have across multiple campuses and multiple different communities and how we work together. I, Chris and I had a chance to go out to the Wonderland Toy Store together. The, if you've never been out there in Benton Heights, there's a, there's a million dollar building that together we built into that community. And to see it decorated with Christmas trees and lights and, and just toys upon piles and piles of toys and to see people standing outside and having the opportunity to come in and to have an amazing Christmas for their kids. We, we do those things together, the, the unity that we have together with our community, working. I love what one person said, it doesn't, it's amazing what you can accomplish when it doesn't matter who gets the credit, when all that matters is that God gets the credit. And that's the body of Christ. That's the way it should be. That's why I, what I love about our church. How we work together to do things, again, like the ministry center at Benton Heights, like the laundry hub that is going to come online in, in January. How together we do those things that are going to transform and change lives. How are we going to bust out this back wall together and build a lobby that we can use as a tool to reach, continue to reach our community and update children's spaces across to all of our campuses. Together we do those things. Examples of how we're better together. Examples of how together we can pursue peace. And in a world that struggles to find peace, we can be a beacon of hope. We can show the world what it looks like to come together, to work together, to strive together, to, to work within the body of Christ outside our walls with people that have different titles and different denominations, different groups. But we can work together and put, put differences aside and all the doctrinal nuances aside to work together to be the hands and the feet of Jesus in our community. And again, not care who gets the credit as long as God does. That's the beauty of what we can be together. And again, into a world that struggles, we can be a model, an example of what Christ came to bring, to bring peace. The beautiful picture of God's design for the family, design our churches, our campuses working together to serve this county, to serve our world together, laying our personal agendas aside for the kingdom agenda Showing our world what it could look like. Uh, Jesus said in the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5 verse 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God, sons and daughters of God. One of the things I often share in our partnership class, which is basically our membership type class, the words attributed to Augustine, in the essentials, unity, in the non-essentials, liberty, and in all things, charity or love. And we get into trouble when we misunderstand what are the essentials and the non-essentials of the faith. What are the essentials? Essentials are those things that are key and germane to faith in Christ. What we believe about salvation, what we believe about Jesus as the way, as, the, as, as salvation is found in him. What we believe about that. But exactly what's going to happen at the end of time when Christ comes back and you pre-trib or post-trib or you rapture or you not or you, you, uh, you know, how often we take communion or what it looks like or what's the mode of baptism. All those things are the non-essentials. Why are we letting those things divide us at times? Peace in the family. Even when we disagree that we can, we can be peacemakers. As Romans 12, 18 says, if possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. 
And so today, today, we talk again about the gifts that Father Christmas has given us. The Father of all, the Father of lights, as we talked last week. And he has given us the gift of peace. The angels heralded it. and invite our worship team to come back up. And as we experience peace, we have been called to be peacemakers. And the world, friends, is always going to lack peace. It's always going to struggle with peace. Jesus told us it was going to be that way. But in the church, in the body of Christ, it could be different. Within our families, it could be different. So let's strive for peace. Let's pursue peace. And so as we take and prepare to take communion, and we have it at these tables at the corners of this room here in the front, as we take communion today, I just want to encourage you to prepare your heart, to look within, to consider your relationships, to think about, is there anything in my life or any attitude I have, any, anything I'm carrying with me that, that, is, that it's blocking peace, that's, that's keeping me from having peace in my relationships? Is there anything that, that we just need to confess and to, to let the Lord kind of speak to you? And as you get that right with God, maybe the Lord is even putting on your hearts to have a conversation with someone as you are a peacemaker and you strive and pursue peace. Let's prepare our heart. As you're preparing our heart, I would just invite you, if you're here today, and maybe this isn't your church home and you're here, maybe you're here with friends or whatever, uh, we would invite you. This is not our table. The communion table is not ours. It's the Lord's table. And so if you are a follower of Christ, we have an open communion. You are open and welcome to take communion, to come and spend some time with the Lord and celebrate Jesus coming. You are welcome to do that as you have prepared your heart and you're ready for that. Jesus made it clear to his friends before his death. He said this, my peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled Neither let them be afraid. And I don't know who needs to hear that today. But that's Jesus. And as you come to his table, hear those words. My peace I give you. And so today, have you made your peace with God through the person of Jesus Christ? I told you I'd give you a chance. And I'm going to pray with you in just a moment. And as I pray, I would invite you to, to embrace Christ as your Savior. To confess your sin to him today. All of us have sinned. All of us have blown it and messed up. And so all of us need to do that. Will you proclaim him as Lord and Savior? Maybe you've allowed something to get in between you and the Lord, and you just need to confess that today. Prepare your heart. Let's come to his table, and let's celebrate what Christ came to do, the peace that we'd have with God, the peace that we'd have with one another. So, Father God, I pray that you would come into this place. And we thank you, Father, for the bread that represents the body of Christ. We thank you, God, for the cup that represents the blood of Christ. We thank you for this call that, that we see in Scripture to remember and to proclaim Christ's death until he comes, to remember the sacrifice of Jesus, to remember what he did on the cross and in the tomb and as he rose from the dead. Help us, God, today as we come to your son's table by invitation that we remember and God, I thank you for that person that for the first time today is praying to invite Christ to be their Savior. God, thank you for that. Thank you for that you, this is a day of grace and love and mercy and peace with you. And God, I thank you for the change that you're bringing into lives right now as we confess to you. And God, we also just admit that we have not worked for peace. We've not pursued it at times. And God, we confess that to you as well as we prepare our heart 
We pray that you would cleanse us from those things and God help us to make that right. And if there's something we need to make right with some person or whatever, God, I pray that you would give us the strength to do that. God, I know that you're at work here. Just walk these aisles and walk this space. And I pray that you would just work in our lives. We thank you, Father. And we pray in Jesus' name.